Well, the bye week is over and the Saints are back in action. Can they beat the Atlanta Falcons? Does it even matter? We're going to talk about all that and we're going to give you our best bets coming up next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Way at New Orleans. And hello to all my friends elsewhere who are thinking about two straight weeks. With the kitties, the family, enjoy it, embrace it. It's that time of year, boys and girls. Merry Christmas. Will it be a Merry Christmas for the New Orleans Saints? Probably not. I mean, who are we kidding? Oh, boy. But we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to have fun here because this is Datitude episode number 125. That's right, 125, boys and girls, for a Friday December the 16th, 2022, I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Speaking the Advocate and bet.nola.com, and man, I, I'm sorry, but I, I'm over the whole Tampa Bay thing, okay? I am, I'm over it. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen on Sunday, but Derry's dime probably not going to have on Monday. It, it's not going to have the same datitude that... I've had in the past because I'm been, I'm over it now. I mean, I, I'd probably be more pissed off if they win their next four. If they win the last four games, go eight and nine. I mean, I'll win my bet, so I'll be happy about that. But to think of what could have been for this team had they just won that one damn game, had they held on to a sixteen to three lead in the fourth quarter, with what seven and a half minutes left, I. I I know that's not what how we want to go into this game after a bye week and think of that. And, and I hope the team doesn't think of that. But, I mean, how else can you, you think of it? Five and eight. If they were five and eight, as bad as that is, as crappy as this season has been, had they won that game, they'd not only be tied for first place, but they'd have a chance to take absolute command in this division. Absolute command. Because... Tampa Bay is the three-and-a-half-point underdog at home to the Cincinnati Bengals. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose on Sunday and the Saints would win, had they won the game against Tampa Bay, they'd be in first place in the division even if Carolina wins. I mean, technically they wouldn't because they lost to Carolina, but they'd, they'd control their own destiny because they play Carolina in the season finale. How sick is that? Had they won that game, that game on January the 8th in the Dome could have been for the NFC South Championship because Carolina still has to play Tampa Bay. It's it's a season, well, it's not really a season of what-ifs because this team was too stubborn to do some of the things they needed to do, in my opinion. And anyone who's listened to this show five, six, seven times this year knows what I think about things they could have done and made things differently, but they didn't. And it is what it is. And now instead of having a 
50% chance to win the division. They've got like a 1% chance to win the division. I mean, that's where they are. I mean, I had, we look, we're going to talk to Jeff Duncan in a little bit. We had our live show this morning, so I'm recording the monologue after I've talked to Jeff Duncan, as I usually do. And we had a, a commenter ask, you know, the Saints, can the Saints still get in the playoffs? No. I mean, mathematically, they're still alive. If they win out the rest of their games and Tampa Bay wins just one the rest of the way, which isn't going to happen as bad as Tampa is. They're not going to lose to Atlanta and Carolina. I can't even remember who else they have on their schedule. I know they play Cincinnati, Atlanta, and Carolina. I can't remember who the fourth one is. Um, they're not going to lose to Atlanta. Atlanta's given up on the season. I don't think Atlanta's going to win again. Atlanta's in a bad way. They're, they're in a worse shape than the Saints are. Um, but, okay, you know, the Saints aren't going to win out either. But if the Saints were to win out, what percentages? Let's, let's just, let's be super, ultra, happy, happy, joy, joy, positive. And think what happens if the Saints went out and finish 8-9. and nine. They would need Tampa Bay to win just one game down the stretch. They would need Carolina to lose another game beyond besides the Saints game and Carolina plays Tampa Bay. So you I mean, if you're living the pipe dream, okay, if you're living the pipe dream, you really need Carolina to lose to Pittsburgh, who I think is going to play their third string quarterback this week. And you need Tampa Bay certainly to lose to Cincinnati. So if you're living the pipe dream, there's your pipe dream. Because the Saints would then be Five and nine, Tampa Bay would be what six and eight, and Carolina would be five and nine, I believe. And so you'd still have so then instead of a one percent chance, you'd have like a three percent chance. I mean, so if you're into the math and you're you're, you're ultra super positive person, God bless you. I wish I could be like you. I'm a realist. I mean, people call me Derry Danner, but I'm a realist. I just call it the way that I see it. And the way that I see it is they blew a game that they should have won. They play that game 10 times in that same situation. Look, Tom Brady pulled out the ghost of Tom Brady past. He's not that quarterback anymore. I had this debate with my 24-year-old know-it-all son last night as San Francisco and Seattle were getting started. He thinks that Tom Brady's going to go to San Francisco next year and lead him to the promise. They don't, San Francisco doesn't need Tom Brady. Brock Purdy, he, he scoffed at me when I said this. And I truly believe this. Tom Brady, at this point in his career, I'd rather have Brock Purdy. I'd rather have a guy that can move around and can manage a football game. And I know it's only been two and a half games. But that kid has shown to me in two and a half games that he can lead that team to where they need to go. I don't want Tom Brady coming in there at 46 years old next year. First of all, does Tom Brady even want to play next year? I mean, well, he gave up his marriage to keep playing football. Yeah, and he probably regrets the hell out of it right now. That team isn't going anywhere. So what if they go to the playoffs? They're not going to beat Dallas again. I know Dallas chokes in the playoffs, but they're not going to choke against that team. That team is a mess. So think about where the Saints could be. Is my point. And Duncan and I have a great decision. Uh, decision. We have a 
great discussion coming up on what the Saints need to think about for the future because I hate to tell you this, boys and girls, but the future ain't bright for this team. It is probably going to get worse before it gets better. I would be very surprised if it doesn't get worse before it gets better. They're in absolute cap hell next year. We've talked about it on past shows. Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Thomas alone, $60 million of your cap space. Well, just cut him. You can't cut Mike Thomas. You're going to eat the cap. You're still going to eat the dead cap space, which is $22 million. You, you're not, they're not cutting Mike Thomas. You, you gain nothing from cutting Mike Thomas. You just have to hope he comes back and plays. You, you just you have to. That's the way it's going to have to be. You have to eat the $60 million. You have to work your way around it. So you either have to get lucky with a Jimmy Garoppolo type who's willing to play for $8 million next year. And another thing, Jameis Winston, he's $14 million of the cap. I think he's got like $12, $13 million of dead cap space. You obviously don't want to play him. They're going to have to move on from him. They're going to have to cut him. I mean, that's one player they are going to have to cut. They're just going to eat that cap, that dead cap space. Luckily, that's only one year. So, look, I mean, I hate to rain on your Christmas parade and you think, well, next year things will get better. And Sean Payton's not, and by the way, Sean Payton. Well, let's talk about Sean Payton. He's not coming back. Get that out of your head. Yeah, that, that Christmas present is for someone else. I mean, the good, the good news is that they can get something for him, and you hope he finds a place with a team that stinks so you can get a first-round pick because you don't have one right now. Arizona, maybe. I mean, I could see that maybe. He's gonna, he wants to go somewhere that has a chance, team has a chance to win and has a good quarterback. That's where Sean Payton's going to go. A team that is willing to fire their coach and has a good quarterback and has a team that can win. There are only maybe two or three teams that fit in that, that mold. One of them's the Chargers, and you know I've heard a lot about the Chargers, but they don't spend money. I don't think that, first of all, I'm not sure Staley's going to get fired. I mean, they have a really good chance to make the playoffs. So if they go to the playoffs for the first time in God knows how long and lose in the first round, is that enough to fire Staley? I don't think so. Because he's got a contract. I think he's under contract for two or three more years. The Chargers don't spend money. They're not going to waste money. They're not going to pay Brandon Staley to go off into Never Never Land. So Sean Payton's probably not going there. Now Arizona's in a similar boat because Cliff Kingsbury's also under contract for like three more years. But they're in a position where they suck so bad and he sucks so bad that they might be willing to get rid of him. But Kyler Murray now, with the ACL injury, I mean, they'll be lucky to get him back for October, for next Halloween. They're in a bad space. So you start thinking about other teams that are in the same boat. Who are they? I don't know. I mean, if Dallas goes one and done, do they fire Mike McCarthy? The problem is there for the Saints if you get Dallas's first-round pick, you're talking about a pick that's in the mid-20s. What good does that do you? So, look, 
They're just not in a good spot. They're, they're in cap hell next year. They have a, a defense that's aging. They have players that I'm wondering on this defense who are close to that age. And that, that Does Cam Jordan want to come back? I mean, what's the status of Demario Davis? He's definitely, look, as great of a player as he is and as great of a player he's been for this team, he's not trending upward. Caden Ellis has been a, a nice surprise this year. He's going to demand money. There's a lot of spots on this team that you just have to wonder about where they're going with the future. Duran Matthew, not going to go anywhere, but he didn't do anything this year. I mean, you think about where he is. I mean, look, he wanted to finish out his career in his hometown. Bravo for him. Not doing anything with his franchise. More cap space. Not in a good place. The Saints need some major changes. It's not going to be Dennis Allen. So those are the two things, in my opinion, and I could be proven wrong, but you can get out of your head. A, Dennis Allen's not getting fired, unless, like I said, if they go down the stretch and play their final four games and stink the high heaven, finish 4-13, and and get blown out and look like they don't give a damn, then maybe. I give that chance about 5%. I think there is a 5% chance that Dennis Allen is not the head coach of the New Orleans Saints next year. I'll even, and you know what, you can even up it to 8 or 10% because there's a chance, I, I bring this up with Dunk. If you were Dennis Allen, I mean, you're already teetering on the edge of never getting another chance to be a head coach in the NFL. He's not a spring chicken anymore. He's not young, super young like he was when he took the Raiders job. And this team, unless they make major changes on offense, <clears throat> Joe Brady, Joe Brady needs to be offensive coordinator. Pete Carmichael will not be the offensive coordinator. That is a change they will make. Pete Carmichael will not be the offensive coordinator of this team next year. You're going to see massive changes, I think, in the offensive coaching staff. That's where the changes will happen. Is that good enough to make this team decent? I don't know. You're going to lose Alvin Kamara for six games probably. And frankly, he hasn't done jack anyway. Does Michael Thomas want to come back or does he have another boo-boo next year? Oh, my knee hurts. Oh, my elbow hurts. Oh, I got poked in the eye. Oh, somebody, I slammed my finger in the door. Something will come up. You know as well as I do, something will come up next year if he doesn't want to play. And he'll just keep collecting that paycheck like he's been doing. And it's really disgusting. I wish I could just like, you know, I think, you know, Zach Ewing, my toe hurts. I think I'm going to take the next 12 weeks off. Forget about data too. Forget about Bayou bets. Forget about my NFL picks column. I stubbed my finger typing. You're going to have to put me on IR. You think that would work for me? Nah. It wouldn't work for me. It wouldn't work for you. It wouldn't work for anyone in any other business that means anything. Because Mike Thomas doesn't have to collect unemployment. 
It's making $10 million or more a year. Way more than that. I don't know. I'm being nice. The point is, if th- these players that are under contract, if they come back and do the same thing next year that they did this year, I mean, again, Alvin Kamara, six games without him, because that's what he's going to get suspended. It's going to be six games. And when he comes back at 30 years old, when a running back starts, that's the when they start to decline, really, probably 28, 29. He's not on his decline. He's just not, his heart's not here. So there's young talent. They need help on the offensive line, and they need a quarterback, and they got aging players on the defense, and they're in cap hell. Other than that, things are bright. Rosy sunshine. That's why this year was important, because the can has been kicked forward. You saw last year with the 9-8 and eight team, that team fought its ass off. They did everything they could. They knew the window was closing. And I really thought that this year, I knew the window was closing. I knew the 2023 and 24 don't look bright. That's why I thought this team could do something. Even with a new coach, even without Sean Payton, I just didn't realize how much Sean Payton meant to this team. But if Sean Payton coaches next year, it is very unlikely it will be in New Orleans. I mean, if he really, really wants to coach and no one is willing to pay the bill that it's going to cost to pay, then maybe. But I can't imagine Sean Payton wanting to come to this dumpster fire. And that's what this team is right now. It's a dumpster fire. There's no other way to put it. They are trending downward. As great of a job as I think Mickey Loomis and his staff have done kicking the can down the road year after year, at some point, the road comes to a dead end and you can't kick that can anymore. And they've come to a dead end. You can't kick the can anymore. So they're going to need to get the best out of what they have. Sean Payton did it in 2006. I thought that team was dead. They weren't in nearly the cap hell they're in now. But uh, he changed things. But finding another Sean Payton and finding anything that resembles a Drew Brees is unlikely. But stranger things have happened. And, you know, next this year everybody was, and I mean everybody, was picking the Saints over seven and a half wins. So next year, they'll probably be, I'm guess if I had to guess, the over-under win total next year is probably going to be in the neighborhood of five and a half or six. People probably be betting the under. So maybe they'll surprise us. There's a reason why Vegas wins those things, by the way. They win a lot more than they lose, I promise you. So we'll see. That's for a show in the offseason. Right now it's the Atlanta Falcons, and they're playing a team that is a lot like them. And I said it in my NFL Picks column, we're going to talk about best bets after we talk to Duncan. Uncle Big Nick is not here. He's on his way to Vegas. He's actually in Vegas already. Um, So I'll read his best bets on the air, and I'll read mine. And um, But the the Saints are in a good spot this week, believe it or not. Minus four. Are they going to come out and play hard? I think they will. Um, I don't think they're going to lay down like dogs. And, they're again, they're playing an Atlanta team that I said in my column, which was the original point, that I think uh, Atlanta's playing the next four regular season games like it's preseason 2023. 
They want to see what they have with quarterback, rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter, whether he can be the future. Hence, Marcus Mariota's got a scope to do. He's going to miss the rest of the season. He's got an injury. Yeah, well, if the Falcons were, you know, seven and seven or whatever the hell they'd be, how many games will we play? Five and eight, so it's five, four and nine, that's 13, so seven and six. If the Falcons were seven and six and leading this division, Marcus Mariota would not be getting surgery. And that's where we are with that. So Atlanta is terrible uh, ranking-wise, both on offense and defense. The only thing they're good at is running the football. They can't throw the football. They don't try to throw the football hardly at all. They don't have uh, Kyle Pitts. Uh, Their defense is a shambles. So I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Saints, first of all. I think Andy Dalton's going to – Lord knows what I think of Andy Dalton. He played well against Tampa Bay, but – other than that, he's been Andy Dalton. And I think he'll play well on Sunday. Look, the pressure's off this team now. So I actually think you'll see, the more I think about it, I think you'll see a team that um, that plays decent down the stretch. There's no pressure on this team whatsoever. Not going anywhere. And oftentimes, you'll see a team play, and you'll say at the end of the season, if they win three out of the last four, which is certainly possible, and they finish with seven wins. I think it's probably going to be six. But uh, you'll say, where has that team been all year? And you'll be right to ask that question. Let's ask it of Jeff Duncan. Let's hear what he thinks about Saints Falcons. And we briefly touch on the Pelicans towards the end of our talk here. And then we'll get to best bets with Uncle Big Nick. What's going on? How much, brother? Ready for another uh, great show. And, um, yeah, I was up late last night watching that. Hell's game. So, you know, as I've gotten older, man, I need my sleep. I'm, I'm like hurting. <laughs> These games get going late on the West Coast. I'm, I'm struggling to stay awake. Sleep? What's that? <laughs> Do we sleep anymore between August and January? Uh, not much. Not much. Not that, was much. T- that was a tough loss for the Pels last night. Uh, couldn't quite close it out. Uh, Aspen Angel says it's 42 degrees. That's, that's exactly the temperature when I woke up this morning in Mandeville. It was 42 when I woke up this morning to bring the Little girl, little one to the bus stop for the last time in two weeks. You know, th- that's one thing, Dunk, about the holidays. Look, I'm, I'm not going to be a Scrooge or anything, but it, it is not easy trying to work with the little ones at home for the next two weeks. Yeah. They are, they are going to be home doing nothing. I never understood this. It's December the 18th. You don't have school again until January. I don't get it. But, yeah, we, and we're going to get our soapbox here. Back when I was in school. Exactly. We, two weeks. we walked uh, there both up uphill both ways, seven miles. Yeah, Joseph Garcia, who dad from Colorado? We thank you for joining us all the way from Colorado. I know it's colder in Colorado than it is here. Dunk, uh, let's talk Saints and Falcons. And, um, you know, going into this week, I think I'm finally over it. I'm finally over that that uh, just debacle. I don't even know what you call it. We haven't talked since then, I don't think. But uh, that just dreaded Monday night game. They've been on a bye and, and, and had – 13 days off or will by the time they play just a mess that this season has become. Yeah, it was a devastating loss. I mean, especially the way it transpired, right? I mean, I know every Saints fan was probably sitting there looking at the scoreboard, looking at the score, doing the calculus in their head and thinking, oh my gosh, this actually could (laughs) happen if they score two touchdowns and they had just the right amount of time. And, and, look, I thought Brady was masterful. And no one wants to hear that, but he was unbelievable. He was. I mean, all of a sudden, he could do no wrong. 
And once once they got that momentum, uh, the defense was a little bit on its heels, and and uh, it was just a crushing loss. Considering everything that was on the line there, the stakes. I mean, if you look at it now, the Saints would be in really good shape to make that. A, that that make actually a run. that actually leads into Patty Duke. She used to have a show, didn't she? Patty Duke used yes. to have a show. All right. Well, today you're in NOLA, and you're wondering if the Saints are going to make it to the playoffs. And I, I I don't usually cut off Jeff Duncan, but that leads right into where we're going. Um, the Saints are not going to make it to the playoffs. I mean, they would need an, an absolute Christmas, New Year's, and Mardi Gras miracle to, to make it to the playoffs at this point. They would have to win out. They would have they have to hope that Tampa wins just one more uh, and that Carolina wins just one more. So, yeah, they, they got to. This is the way I would describe it, Patty. Uh, yes, they're still alive, but it's like having one ticket in the Powerball. You know, yeah, yeah you got a chance, but it's infinitesimal. Uh, they're all but eliminated. Matter of fact, that's what I wrote in my column today that's going to run in Sunday's paper is, uh, you know, they haven't been in this position very much at all in the last 15, 16 years. It's, uh, they haven't played very many what I call irrelevant or meaningless games. They've always kind of been in the mix, had something to play for. Uh, I think the last time they were in this position, J.D., was... 2016. Uh, yeah, 2016. It was a very similar kind of position where they were still mathematically alive, but it would take them winning every game and, and the other teams losing every game. Uh, and you know that's not going to happen. That's kind of where they're at right now. Uh, so I wouldn't count on especially with a, a road game in a few weeks at Philadelphia. Uh that one looks kind of ugly right now. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, one of the great movie lines of all time. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's kind of where we are now. And, and you know, what's the what's the worst part of it all? And we talk about 2016, that that mini run from 2014 to 2016, where they went 7-9. and nine. At least they were 7-9. and nine. They were competitive. They were relevant in December. Yeah. I mean, this is the first, really the first time, I think, where they – just aren't relevant with four games to go since 2015. I mean, 2005, excuse me. And here, here's the thing, and, and like I know we've talked about it on the show before, but, you know, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer or whatever, you know, but. That's my job. I know, but it really, I think it's been, uh, you know, actually counterproductive that they've been in this historically bad division. Look, everybody wants hope, and I get it. You know, as a fan, you want to be able to make the playoffs. But there's only three teams in the league worse than the Saints. And I think it's kind of masked this, this bad division that's kept New Orleans somewhat alive in the playoff race. Uh, I think it's masked how bad the team has been. Everyone's able to say, oh, well, we're only a game away or if we just would have beat Tampa. Well, you're also like only like maybe one win away from being next to the Texans as the, the worst team in the entire yeah. NFL. Just think if they had lost Atlanta in that first game, how different things, you know, if they don't come back and make that comeback. Jerry, uh, our our regular, Jerry is here. He is is here and saying who that and beat the Falcons on Sunday. Hey, look, you still got to root for your team, even if they stink. I mean, it it is what it is. Like like I said, it's been a long time the Saints have been in a position with four games left where they're irrelevant. And that's that's really kind of where we are. And uh, hello, good morning to you, Catherine. Thanks for joining us. Patty says uh, she hates to hear that. She's a true hoodat. Uh, I, I I drink to that. Oh, she drinks to that. Okay, well, if you want to drink at 9.15, it is a holiday. I mean, I got my Starbucks, but, you know, who knows what I'll be drinking later on this afternoon because I'm actually off 
this weekend. I don't remember the last time it was off in a week, nice. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it. Um, and speaking of that, a uh, little programming note, Duncan and I are going to be doing our live show ne- uh, next week. We're going to be doing it on Wednesday because I'm going to be taking a little mini six-day vacation. I'm doing absolutely nothing, staying around the house. I'm going to enjoy my children and my wife and my family, and uh, that's about all I'm going to do. And uh, maybe watch a couple of really bad bowl games, but we'll that see sounds, how that That goes. sounds like a great week. It's a perfect way to spend a vacation in New Orleans. You spend it at home. We, we're going to uh, see the Grinch uh, and the Sanger, I think. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. Doing that on Monday. Who knows? We might go to Christmas in the Oaks and uh, looking forward to it. So, so you know what? The Saints losing is not the end of the world. It, it really is not the end of the world. But, you know, they can finish with, with on a strong note, and I think, Dunk, that is important for a lot of people's psyche, including some of the players on this team. It starts this week with the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, this is actually, you know, we'll get into our predictions before, before we get to the end of the show. And, Jerry, I will probably have some eggnog and some other things that, uh, that go with eggnog. But, you know, you talk about this team, the Saints are four-point favorites. When I saw this line at first, I was like a little weird, but then I started diving into the numbers. And the Atlanta's really in the same boat now. They've kind of given up on their season. They're going to spend the next four weeks probably – it's kind of an early preseason to see what they have in quarterback Desmond Ritter, Duncan. I think the Saints, they, they do one of two things. They either stink up the joint and give it all up and say, you know what, we, we stunk, we lost, whatever, our season's over. Or they come out and play, have a little hard. And you know what, I think they're going to have a little hard. I'm not going to give my prediction here, but I think the Saints will play well. This is a good matchup. The Saints have done very well in this series over the years, uh, over the past you know decade or so or beyond. But a four-point favor, there's a reason why the Saints are favored. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, look, the vibe coming out of the locker room has been real positive. That's one of the things I would say that's a positive is uh, you don't get the sense the team is checked out at all. I mean, they're, they have a really good uh, attitude going into this game. I think they're going to play well. Uh, I'm curious to see how Atlanta comes out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know. They could, they could kind of go one or two ways because Ritter, I don't know what you're getting with him. I've seen him play in college, but – have no idea how he'll translate to an NFL offense and his first game in the Superdome against the Saints. I mean, that's pretty intimidating environment. So I'll be interested to see. You know, he he's a Louisville kid. He actually under-recruited guy that didn't play at a big power school. St. Xavier is a big power program. But he slipped through the cracks, and Cincinnati identified him, uh, you know, really amazing recruiting job. But he's always had a lot of moxie. And, you know, he's obviously was a winner at Cincinnati, took them to great heights as a program. So I wouldn't underestimate him. I mean, I kind of feel like this is the kind of guy that's been a winner most of his life. And uh, he's probably been waiting for this moment for a while. So I don't think it's going to be necessarily a cakewalk just because you got a rookie QB. There's no doubt about it. And, Jerry, I hate to poo-poo on your plans here. If the Saints win Sunday with the Falcons loss because they would beat the Falcons, the Panthers lost and the Buccaneers lost Sunday. They're still alive. Yeah, they're, they're still mathematically alive. But here's the problem. You need the Bucs and the Panthers. Both can only – each of those teams can only win one more game the rest of the season. Yeah, each of them. Each of them. And they play each other. Right. So, in other words, whoever, whoever loses the Bucs-Panthers game, they can't win any other games. So, not only do you need – and that, you need the Saints to win out beyond that – and the Saints still have to play Philadelphia coming up. Right. And the Saints are not going to beat Philadelphia. I mean, the Saints have won their longest winning streak all year is one game. One. And won two games in a row. Now you're thinking they're going to win four in a row. It's kind of. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I like to be optimistic, but 
I like to be realistic too. Also, uh, there's a chance that the Saints are underdogs and they're remaining three games after this one. They're they're already three point dogs against Cleveland, so they're going to be dogs. They're going to be big dogs in Philadelphia. I mean, that may be double digits. I don't, and I'll have to go look up and see the last time the Saints were double digit dogs because they might be double digit dogs in Philly. Yeah. And then they end the season at home against Carolina. And if Carolina is fighting for an NFC South title, I promise you the Panthers will be favored in that game, which yeah. would be and odd look, and strange. Well, here's the one thing I would say, though. The more we watch these other games, and I watched the, the Seahawks 49ers last night, yeah. the one silver lining I have seen is the, the Saints' defense has played extremely well. I know they gave up those two late drives against Brady, but the way they played the Niners, I mean, no one's played the Niners that well. Uh, in the last month or so, they look like a Super Bowl team, even with Brock Purdy. Right. So, you know, there is encouraging signs, out, at least out of the defense. The offense has just been hamstrung. I think they're going to have to make some changes in the offseason to what they're doing on that side of the ball. I, I know they're, ham- you know, they don't have uh, Mike Thomas. We know all these things who they don't have, but I'm watching the Niners last night. They're playing with their third string quarterback, and they don't have Debo Samuel, and they're still I know. very effective. It's so, amazing, you know, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, everybody's Coaching. got these problems. You know, everybody's missing key players. It's how you deal with it. And the Saints have not dealt with it offensively as good as they should. It is the holiday season, so I'm going to try to be a lot nicer than I usually am about this time. So, look, it comes down to, you know, you look at other teams. and here, Here's the thing, though. To me, and this year in particular, you could say this a lot of, about a lot of years, Dunk, but I think this year in particular. There are, I think you could take, I think there are five teams in the NFL right now, maybe six. I'll get, I'll tell you what, I'll do six. There's six teams in the NFL, three on each side, that have a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl. No one else. And in the NFC, it's San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Dallas. No yep. one else. No I one agree. else has a chance to win the Super Bowl. In That's the right. AFC, it's Kansas City, Buffalo, and if you want to throw Cincinnati in there, sure, I don't think they're going to win it, but... I guess those six teams have a chance. No one else has a chance to win the Super Bowl. So the bad news is you're not going to the playoffs. The good news is, and I guess it's not good news or whatever it is, but if you went to the playoffs, you're not going to win it anyway. Right. That, that's exactly right. And I, I agree with you 100%. I actually think it's those five. I wouldn't throw Cincinnati in there, but I guess you could with Joe Burrow. Uh, but, you know, you could probably make some money. I don't know what the – you would know better than me the odds if you just put 100 on each of those five to win. You'd you might have a problem. You would probably, uh, I think you would break even if Kansas City won because Everybody you would else. lose the other bets. But you would win money if you had, had bets on the other ones. But you kind of missed the boat on a couple of those teams because I got San Francisco in the future at, at uh, I think it's eight, it's either 18 to 1 or 20 to 1. Whoa. But I, but I got it early. I mean, their, their defense, they're, they're rolling right now, man. They look really yeah. good. Brock but, Purdy, could you imagine if the Saints. And I know 30 other teams are saying the same thing. But could you imagine had the Saints drafted a guy like Brock Purdy? Yeah. Not that he would have ever seen the light of day because they, they tried that with Ian Book. But, I mean, this kid's got moxie. I know. He's a winner. I mean, you can just see it's not too big for him. And so, it, yeah, and look, I think a lot of it has to go you, have to go. you have to put on the shoulders of Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. and what they're asking him to do. They've got 100%. such a good team around him. I think that's what the Saints thought they were going to be this year. They thought they were going to be good enough on defense, good enough on the offensive line, have a good running game, that the quarterback would could be the trailer, not the truck, and they could survive. 
and they they overestimated that they're, they're not as good in these other areas or they're not as well coached one or the other however you want to put it but they can't survive when they get in these games against the elite teams their quarterback play gets exposed and so you're right when you get in the playoffs you're going to be facing these elite quarterbacks and you have such a severe disadvantage at the most important position that we see what happens in those games. I mean, look at the Bengals game. The Saints were toe-to-toe with the Bengals the whole game. We're leading most of the game. When it came down to the end, what quarterback made all the plays? The other quarterback couldn't do it. That's right. I am Jim Derry. He is Jeff Duncan. And we do this every Friday morning at 9.15. It's the Datitude Podcast as we preview the Saints and the Falcons uh, going into this Sunday. And uh, we kind of touched on it, but I think if you were listening, you kind of both – you kind of understand where we both are going with this. Uh, we'll, we will tell you, and also we're going to be taking your comments and questions for about the next uh, 20, 25 minutes we'll be on the air. Um, feel free to leave them either on Facebook or on YouTube, as others have done this morning. But one thing I want to look at, and this is telling to me, um, we do these graphics and sometimes we just kind of gloss over them because, you know, it's that I don't know that you see a big advantage. This is why the Saints have a huge – not only have the Falcons – essentially, I think, given up by announcing they're going to start Desmond Ritter. I, I know Marcus Mariota's having surgery, but it's it's conveniently having surgery. I think they're doing that just to take the pressure off of Desmond Ritter, and now they could say he's our quarterback for the rest of the year no matter what. But you look at these numbers. You wonder how the Saints have a worse record than the Falcons. They're 11th in total defense. They're 16th in total offense. By the way, that number on total offense is com- continually has been sinking like a rock. It was about... I think they were up to sixth about seven, eight weeks ago. Now down to 16th. That's a whole nother story. But you look at Atlanta's defense, it's terrible, Dunk. They're, they're, and other than running the football with Cordero Patterson, they can't do anything. Right. And I don't know how well they're going to run without Mariota, you know, because they were able to run a lot of RPO with him, and that was a kind of a funky offense. We saw the Saints kind of struggle to s- stop that in week one. Now you've got Ritter. Ritter's athletic, and he can definitely move around, but he's not, he's not the runner Mariota is. So right. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to run as well. And that's right into the teeth of the Saints' strength, their, their run defense. So, yeah, I like the Saints in this game. I, th- I think it all comes down to their attitude, and the attitude I've seen this week has been very positive. And so I think, uh, look, they've had a lot of bad luck this year. They've also been their own worst enemies. And they also have given some games away through either coaching or whatever you want to call it, their own lack of discipline, attention to detail. Uh, we could go down a laundry list of that Bucks game of just egregious mistakes and how they finished. Uh, those things, those things, you know, come back to haunt you, and, and that's where the Saints are right now. If they just won one or two of those games, they'd still be at least in the mix. One or two of those games. I mean, let's just talk about the Bucks game. And, and I don't want to depress anyone, and it's funny because we've – we're 19 and a half minutes into a show now, and this shows you how a bye week can just kind of like chill everybody. Because if we had had this show on Tuesday, the comments would have been a lot different. It was, <laughs> the fire DA comments would have been yeah. all over. I haven't had a, a single fire DA comment. We're almost 20 minutes into the show. But it's not one or two games. As bad as the Saints are, had the Saints held on and not blown up and won the game where they had about a 92% chance to win, they would be 5-8. and eight. Tampa would be 5-8. and eight. Carolina would be five and eight. The Fal- the Falcons would be five and eight. They're all they're, they would all be tied atop the division, and the Saints would have the upper hand. Not only would they need they wouldn't need anything to happen. 
They right. just they would control their own destiny, as bad as that is. So that's how sad that collapse was and kind of apropos of the entire season because the Saints would be controlling their own destiny had they won that game against Tampa Bay. I know, but again, that gets back to what I'm saying. Like it, it still doesn't mask that you've got major problems. And, and, and I, I just, as someone that's covered the team, uh, you know, I like to look at things from a, a 50,000 foot view. And what I see is not good. I'm used to seeing the Saints being a, you know, a very competitive, winning, successful team. I know what that looks like. Saints fans know what that looks, what that looks like. And this isn't it. I mean, this, even if they would have won last week, like you said, they have no hope of, of really making a run in the playoffs. Uh, they got a long way to go, and I don't know how they get there on this path right now without a quarter, a long-term answer at quarterback, salary cap issues. Uh, you know, the future looks pretty bleak. That's that was what I wrote. Very bleak. That uh, you know, the the future looks actually bleaker than the present, and that's scary. I mean, they could be in for a long rebuilding job here, and, and I don't know how they how they make it how they accelerate that process. I would say that the Saints future looks worse today than it did this same time in 2015, except the physical surroundings. Obviously the dome was a mess in 2005. And I keep saying 2015, I mean, 2005, um, the dome was a mess. So you didn't know. And at the time, I don't know if people remember this, but there was, you know, talk of maybe going to San Antonio. They had to get Tom Benson had to get a deal done and, you know, and Bobby Jindal, I, I think, or Blanco. I don't remember which one. They had they had to get this deal. It was uh, Blanco. Put, okay, it was Blanco. So they had to put together this deal to keep the Saints here. And there was there – was, so from that perspective, yeah, things were worse in 2005. But just from a team perspective, at least the Saints then weren't in the cap hell that they're in now. Whereas – you know, and I've talked about this before. I brought this up before, but just Lattimore and Mike Thomas, those two guys, $60 million against the cap next year. So you, those two guys alone, I'm not talking about anybody else. So the Saints just don't have any room to bring in some free agent quarterback. They're going to have to get super lucky in the later rounds of the draft. And I'm not certain that they can do that. Well, here's the other thing. You, you alluded to it right there. Uh, you know, if, if you had to ask me, you know, what What was the number one thing that's happened this year that sunk this team to 4-9? Uh, I think you touched on it. When you look at team building and how general managers and head coaches build a team, they decide, you know, years out who's going to be their core, who they're going to pay. And the Saints a few years back had, had this plan, right? And, and they've, you know, been very selective on who they decided to give second contracts to. And we can go down the list. That's the core, right? Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchick. Uh, you know, you could maybe even make an argument, Jameis Winston, who they brought back and gave a second contract to. So the, the, this is the core that should be carrying this team. And you're not getting much of anything out of any of those guys. Ramchick is not the same player he was no, before his knee injury. He's still a very good right tackle, but he's not the best most dominant right tackle in the game anymore. And you've really gotten nothing out of Lattimore, Kamara, and Thomas this year compared comparatively to what you're paying them. I mean, they're all making 15 to $20 million a year, and you've gotten nothing out of those guys this year. I mean, Kamara's been okay, 
but Thomas has you know been injured all year and Lattimore's been injured. So that to me is what's undone this season. Your core has basically abandoned you, deserted you in production. And uh, you can't overcome that in this league when you have a salary cap. And that's why, to me, you know, I hear all these talk, and I've had people ask me questions over the past week or so about the rumors of Sean Payton coming back to the Saints. And to, to put it in only a way a New Orleanian can put it, that ain't happening. I mean, why would, he, why would anybody want to come back, anybody the caliber of Sean Payton, want to come back to this dumpster fire? I hate, that's the way it is. I'm not blaming, look, the, the Saints sold out to try to win a Super Bowl, and they nearly did. I mean, you talk about the Minneapolis miracle, and this goes back more than just the last couple of years. The Minneapolis miracle, the no-call in the last year of, of Drew Brees, they did, they did everything they could to, to try to win a championship. Look, I'm a huge Cubs fan. Anybody that watches me, that has listened to me or watched or whatever who knows me at all knows that I'm a big Cubs fan. The Cubs did the same thing. They sold out. They, 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 they put the future aside to win the World Series in 2016. The Saints did the same thing, and they almost won the Super Bowl again. So, I mean, you can't, you can't complain about it to some extent, but they are such in dire straits right now that I think that it's going to take just like the Cubs – I mean, the Cubs have never rebounded from that World Series, and they've they've been uh, they've just been a mess. And they're finally starting to be able to get have money again, but it's taken them five years. I think it's going to take the Saints three, four, maybe five years to get out of this hole that they're in right now because they have put off the future, and now there's nowhere else to put it. Uh, they, they, even the the great Mickey Loomis and 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 all the other masterminds in that building, they can't get themselves out of this one. I don't think. No, you're you're uh, you're really spot on, and I think there's a couple things I'd like to say about that. One, I understand why they did it. Um, there's no doubt that's always been the mentality, uh, the, the mo of Mickey Loomis, and when Sean Payton was here. I mean, they wanted to compete every year. They never wanted to have the quote transition year. They just right. they always wanted to have that door open. And I, I get that, and that that's something that the fans I think should not take for granted. I, I wrote about this today. You know. They just, they don't, they've always been in the mix. I mean, they're always there. Even last year, all the way to the last game, they were still in it. And that, this isn't the case very often around the NFL. It's hard to do that. But the other thing I would say is the way this organization's built, the way the Saints operate business wise, they need to be good every year because they rely on ticket sales. They rely, they're, they're the way they refer to it out there is we're the Walmart of the NFL. They need, their, their margins, they don't have huge corporate support. They don't have huge Fortune 500 companies to, to support them at the, at, with suite and sponsorship sales. They need butts in the seats. And to do that, you got to be good. Otherwise, people stop going to your games. And they've been sold out, we know now, for going close to 20 years every game. Uh, I think that's going to start being a downturn if this team is headed the way it looks like they're headed. And that's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that in the front office and ownership because I don't see how, like you said, I don't see how they avoid it right now as bleak as everything looks. They can pull a rabbit out of this hat. Then I got, I'm just got to tip my cap because I, I don't see it. I mean, I think, you're looking at, uh, I think you're looking at at least two more years, maybe three of four, five win seasons. I, do, I, I mean, look, I have – I have been um, both on the Dennis Allen boat and off the Dennis Allen boat, and I just don't like the way that he's coached 
this year. I, I mean, I had a lot of hopes, I guess is the right, the right way to put it. I agreed with Mickey Loomis that it was the right decision to make to bring him in here. Well, to keep him here, I guess, and 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 and, and promote him because he had he had earned it. I think I thought he had earned that, and not only that, the Saints were doing what they could to get status quo. Kind of, kind of part of kicking the can. You keep that can as far, as long as you can, and the way to stay status quo was to to bring Da in as coach. That being said, I'm not certain why Dennis Allen would even want to stay around. Um, I know you want to be a head coach, but you. Dennis Allen, to me, is ruining any chance he has to be a head coach again because if the Saints do what I think they're going to do the rest of this year or next year, they might get to six wins. I think there's, I said 10 weeks ago they were going to win six games if they had Andy Dalton as their quarterback. It's a decision he made. He has to live with it. I don't know whether things would have changed or not. But I think next year is going to be worse. So, I mean, if you're DA and you, go, you have a six-win season this year and you, they're going to keep him, so get that out of your mind, Saints fans. DA is going to be Dennis Allen is going to be the coach of this team next year, unless he doesn't want to be. But you know what? What does he do now? I mean, he goes if he, say he goes six and eleven, dunk, and then next year he goes five and twelve or four and thirteen. He's done as a head coach. He's never going to get a chance again. Yeah, the only way I think they can, the only path I see out of this is uh, you know overhauling maybe some of the offensive staff, uh, making some changes yeah, there, happen. bringing in. You know, a, a high-profile offensive yeah. where they're almost like a head coach of the offense. Mm-hmm. Say, for instance, Cliff Kingsbury, somebody like yeah. that that's got a name, got a reputation, can almost be the head coach of the offense. And then you, you, whatever you do at quarterback, maybe you bring in a different quarterback, you draft one, you can at least sell that to the fan base of, hey, we got a fresh approach. We know our defense is pretty good. Da can coach the defense. We've seen that. And maybe you just admit you, you took a mulligan on the offense in that one year. That's the only way I see out of this, and I think that's probably the path organizationally they'll travel in this offseason. I agree, and, and look, I think you know this. I don't, I don't think Peter Harmichael even wanted this job. I think they kind of talked him into it, and he wasn't ready for it. it he, he, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I don't blame him because I mean I think the, a lot of the offensive woes are his fault. But at the same time, I can sympathize with him because I don't think he wanted this job. Yeah, he wanted a, a lower profile Correct. position on the offensive staff. And uh, they, they went out and interviewed a bunch of people. They didn't have a lot of top candidates either. I mean, the candidates they interviewed uh, were not what I would consider. They need to go out and find another, like, young Sean Payton is what they need to find. They need to, 100%. Those guys don't grow on, they don't grow on trees, but you can find one. 100%. Take a and chance. They need to get somebody – that's innovative, and and really, I think somebody that's got a fresh set of eyes on their offensive system because they, I understand why they wanted the continuity and and the stability of the Sean Payton tree. It made sense at the time, but it feels a little stale right now. And I think maybe it might help get guys like Alvin Kamara and Mike Thomas back on board and maybe re-energize because both of them seem checked out this season. I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly, and I think you need to have, you don't need to announce it as co-head coaches, but um, you, you know me, Dennis Allen calls the defense, decides when to call timeout, and decides when to review. And other than that, he doesn't have anything to do with offense. He can sit there and look pretty when with the headset on when the when the offense is on the field. I agree 100% they need a, a guy like that. And, uh, you know, I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is a terrible Head coach. I mean, I think he's an awful head coach, but I do think that he could be a great offensive coordinator. 
uh, just an offensive coordinator. And, and so somebody like that, or like you say, don't, I don't think the Saints have anything to lose. I think you go out, they didn't have anything to lose going into the 2006 season when they brought Sean Payton in here. Obviously, he had a great pedigree. He came highly recommended from Bill Parcells, which to me, that's good enough for me. Um, but no one could have, at that, if you go back in time and go and bring yourself back to, you know, 17 years ago, no one could have ever predicted the Saints would have done what they were going to do over the course of the next decade and a half. And the Saints need to take a chance now. Um, I don't think they're going to get rid of Dennis Allen, but I wish he would be willing to accept going back to being a defensive coordinator and they could bring someone like that in. Or at least, like you say, basically have co-head coaches and take a chance on someone that, you know, no one else is given a chance or no one can see the Brian Dable of the world who looked like, you know, look how, look what he's been able to do in just a year. Right. You know, you talk about somebody like that. So I, I agree with you. They need some fresh blood. They need some fresh energy in this building. But, but you know, they got a lot of big decisions to make, you know, in free agency this offseason. I mean, what do you do with Marcus Davenport? Uh, yeah. you Caden know, Ellis has emerged. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that they need to have back some of the younger players that are should be ascending players right their their needles pointed up they're the ones that are going to command bigger contracts and we've seen in the past the saints have had to make some very difficult decisions and you yeah. got really good players like trey hendrickson von bell marcus williams you know you go down the list playing on other teams and producing uh and the saints are just getting older on defense and that that's the concern i have well, and I talked about actually t- two years ago. I mean, before before the twenty twenty one season, I said, "Look, the Saints' window is closing really quickly, and not because of the offense. The offense is already, I mean, was taking a dive a little bit. I mean, and it was really because you could see as good as this defense was, not getting any younger. And now to the to the point now we we've seen they've kind of aged in front of our eyes. Cam Jordan, how how much longer is he going to want to stick around? Even if he could play another year or two, does he want to? Watch, does he want to be a part of right. a losing team? He's never been a part of a losing team before. Yeah, um, I think that's hard when you've won for as long as those guys have. They, they've they seen what, what it's like to be a part of a successful functioning team. Right. They know what it's like. And I guarantee you privately, they wouldn't say it publicly because they're, they're team leaders, but privately they're going, this ain't it. What I'm yeah. watching ain't it. And, and, and that's probably why we see some of the – the body language and, and some of the things that we're seeing this year because these guys know. They know better than anybody what, what it's like to be a good team. you got about another 10 to 12 minutes to give us your comments and questions. If you want to give a prediction, we're going to get into that in just a minute. James Riley says, Frank Smith, offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, are bring back Sean. Here's the problem. First of all, you're not getting Sean Payton. I, I've, I've already said he's not going to come back to this mess. He's going to go somewhere where he thinks he's going to be successful. And it's, it's not going to be here. The problem with the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins is he's not the one that's made that Miami offense better, Dunk. You want to talk about teams taking chances. Miami has is, is got their Kyle Shanahan clone over there. Right. But Daniel's done a great job there. They got a big game Saturday night. Yes, they did. In Buffalo. Uh, but they're on the right path. I mean, that's yes, a talented team. And you have to feel good about where they're going. Yeah, they, look, there's bright minds all over the league. You can find somebody. They found Sean Payton. Mickey Loomis is a very astute guy, very connected. I have no no doubt that if they want to make a change at OC, that they'll find somebody that, that, that can come in there. But they need somebody 
I think they need an experienced hand there. I think, you know, they could use another like head coach type of person in that building. I know that was what Doug Marone was supposed to be. Uh, he has not, I don't think, uh, been the guy that they thought they were getting in the offensive line. Um, but I do think they could make some changes to the offensive staff. And look, there might be some changes where guys leave on their own too. I mean, some guys will have contracts that are up and can get hired away. Uh, this offseason is going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, but there's going to be changes. There's no doubt in my mind. I got a name for you. Joe Brady. Wow. I didn't think about him. That's I a mean, good idea. What's he doing right now? Quarterback coach for the Buffalo Bills. Bring him in. I you mean, know, I th- you can I, get him. You certainly could get him. I, I think that would be a great fit uh, to come in here and a young guy who I think eventually is going to be an NFL head coach. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, that would he be. He knows a, the system. You know, he probably want to put his own tweaks on it, but he knows the same system. I mean, he was involved in it, so. And I and I think that that's a you're you're in a kind of a you can gamble. I mean, it's the same with it, it's a different scenario. But you know, we were talking about earlier in the season. You know, the difference between Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston is with Andy Dalton, you know what you're getting. You're going to go six and eleven. That's where they're going. I, I mean, it, it's not it's not a surprise. Jameis Winston, you you stick him back in there in week six or week seven, you might go five and twelve. You might go nine and eight. You have no idea. Which was kind of the point. So I think the Saints are in a position now where going forward, they, they can take chances. I think the whole, I got to be honest, the, the entire offensive staff needs to go. I, I'm okay with DA staying. I understand where they are right there. He may grow. I think he's going to learn a lot from this season. I hope that he gets better. Um, but uh, they need to make serious changes on the offensive coaching staff. And again, Pete Carmichael didn't want this job. And uh, he, he's just not. He's not fit to to serve in that capacity. Well, I'll tell you this. Zach Street's not going anywhere. I mean, he's very well respected. He could end up well, being full-time offensive line. When I say clean when I say clean house, I don't I don't necessarily mean that you need to like everybody needs to be going from that side of the ball. But I'm just saying major changes need to happen. Yeah, we'll see. I think I think they'll take a hard look at all that. I, I think above everything though, even in defense of Pete Carmichael, you know, it comes down to quarterback play and Whatever happened at quarterback this season, no, I don't see how mm-hmm. anybody can evaluate it and not say it was just a, a disaster. Uh, you know, you, that's, you went that's out in the nice. offseason, you made your, you made a run for D- Deshaun Watson, that failed. Your backup plan was to bring back Jameis Winston. You gave him a decent contract. I mean, he's making starter money, and then you and didn't bailed give him a on chance. Exactly. Yeah, you bailed on that plan after a few weeks. I just. That's the one thing I can't kind of reconcile in my mind. If you didn't believe in him, then why did you bring him on board to begin with? I mean, they didn't really give him a chance after after he got hurt. Uh, and now you got him still on your roster. I mean, he's obviously, you know, disenchanted. Uh, this whole thing has just been a disaster the way it's played out. And I think that misjudgment or whatever you want to call it uh, has really saddled the team offensively no matter who the coordinator was, because you don't have basically you're trying to make hay with two backup quarterbacks. I know, I know you didn't necessarily agree with me, or you didn't. I don't think you disagreed either. But I'm telling you, I've been saying it for weeks. He pissed somebody off. I don't know what he said back there. He or didn't, did he didn't piss anybody? I'm telling off. you, I'm the telling only, you, it's the only thing that makes sense. Piss anybody off? I think more than likely, what's happened, at least 
I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I just think Dalton, they trust Dalton more. I think that's the best way to put it. Okay, but even trust. if you, tr- even if you trust Andy Dalton more, I get that. Okay. And, and whether I agree with it doesn't make a difference. That's your decision. You, that's who you trust. But at what point do you say it doesn't matter who we trust? We're four or nine for God's sake. Oh yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not endorsing how they handled it. I'm just saying, but that's just stubborn. He didn't, he didn't piss anybody off. I mean, I've not heard that, and I talk to people all the time out there. You're one of the few people that I would believe. So everybody, I guess. everybody likes Jameis Winston. No, no one, no one. He's universally liked at all levels of the building. He's a good guy. He, he's a team player. He's handled this thing. Other, you know, I know he spoke out a little bit. Uh, yeah, was, but, you know, that's but, where I was going next. We react. I think in New Orleans, we tend to react way too much to those kind of things. I mean, that stuff goes on in other markets, and people like you know, I remember would not when, have would not have happened under Sean Payton. No one would have not. ever maybe. said that under Sean Payton ever anywhere. He'd have been bye bye. I know, but I think I've just in my in my experience, you know, the Brandon Cooks line the. You know, Jimmy Graham. Who was people, exiled. People think that. Who also that, was exiled. But, but that's not true. I mean, Jimmy Graham, they, they tried to bring him back. They love Jimmy Graham. Ask Sean Payton right now about Jimmy Graham. They love Jimmy Graham. Everybody in the team loved Jimmy Graham. All the, all the players love Brandon Cooks. Like Brandon Cooks, they tried to trade for him last year. So sometimes you just make a business decision. You make a move with a guy with value. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, he – he was a cancer in the locker room. I think that stuff. Gets- I didn't, I didn't, I'm not saying Jameis was a cancer in the locker room. That's not what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying I think that uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. I think the players like him. I think that somehow, some way, it only takes you only have to piss off one or two people to lose your job. I'm in the the right people. So yeah, I'm not I, saying I I, no, nobody's told me that, and and I would know that. Okay. I, I don't think I, that's it. I think they don't trust him as much as they trust Andy Dalton. And at this point with this team where they're at, I think they needed somebody they could depend on and be reliable. And he was playing well when, when Jameis started getting healthy again, it would be hard to take him out of the lineup. So there's also a, yeah. a timing element. Your, your definition of well and my definition of well are two very, very different things. Because it's like I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I look, I think he played extremely well against Tampa Bay. There, there is nothing in the Tampa Bay loss, that is Andy Dalton's fault. Not a single thing. But you can go through almost any other box score from any game this season, and I know we got to cut it short soon, and I actually want to spend a minute or two talking about the Pels. But you could take a box score from almost any game this season, and they're all the same. Andy Dalton's line is, throughout the entire career, 80% of his, of his box scores are the same. So I mean that's great, but you this isn't a team that can't take a chance, and I and I get Jameis Winston has shown he can throw five interceptions in a game, all fine and good. This team, th- from day one, was not a it wasn't a Sean Payton team from 2018 where, you know Andy Dalton probably could have led the team that had the no call year. I'm not saying he could have led them that far, but that team would have still made the playoffs with Andy Dalton. Um, I mean because Drew Brees was was showing that I mean if you. You know, it's just the point of that. If you got to take a gamble, if you got a team that needs to take a gamble, don't be stubborn. Don't stick with status quo. Status quo will get you status quo. This team know, but can't afford Here's that. the other thing that I think no one's talked about in this Winston Dalton debate. I, I, you'll never read it. You'll never hear it. 
But what, are the, what do you think the players on the team, you think, I, I guarantee you Dennis Allen did not make that decision in a vacuum. I guarantee you he talked to the leaders on that offensive team, uh, on that offense, and got their intel on who they wanted to be a quarterback. And I guarantee you it's Andy Dalton. And that's why he's in there. You know, he, it's not the difference between the two is not enough. And so you go with who maybe the players believe in. And I think that's what happened here. And so, and obviously, Dennis Allen cannot come out and say that. They can't come out and say that publicly. But I guarantee you that that was a big part of why they've gone the direction they've gone at quarterback. I don't deny that. And I believe that. The problem is. When you get to a certain point as a coach, you have to say, I don't care what they think anymore. We have to make a change, and you need to sit them down and make them believe in your decision. And as a a head coach, you're the leader of the team. At some point, you say, you know what, guys? We talked about it. We've gone with Andy Dalton for, for two or three games or four games here. But I just feel that if we continue to go in this direction, that we're not going to win. And Or you don't say it like that. But, I mean, that's the point you make. And you have to make a decision. And to make a decision because that's what the players want, sometimes what the players want isn't good enough. And you have to – and I just – that's the problem I have with Dennis Allen. I think he's too much of a nice guy. He's too much of a <laughs> – I mean, he's just this uh, – you know, I, I, be I strong. Look, make decisions. Yell at a guy because he's got the wrong he damn does. cleats on. He does. He does. Behind Come closed on. doors, he's a different guy. He's in meetings. He's much more intense. I've never seen him once chastise anyone. Well, I know people haven't seen that on the sidelines, but, you know, that's kind of the way Greg Williams operated. Greg Williams was a tyrant during the week in practice, fiery, demanding in meetings. And then on game days, if you ever watched him, he hardly ever raised an eyebrow because he said, look, it's an intense situation on game days. Those guys, the emotions are high. He wanted to be the calming force because he knew his players were emotional. Sean Payton was the exact opposite. He's like a teacher during the week. On game days, he was a psycho. D.A. is a little more like a Greg Williams. <laughs> I've heard in many rooms, he's very fiery, very intense, holds these guys accountable. They all understand it. But on game days, he has a different demeanor, for better or worse. That's I'm just saying he does, during the week, hold him accountable. All right, I'm going to give you the last word on that. So, um, you know, again, you would know you're a lot closer to this team as I am. Uh, than I am. Um, I'm just telling you, I mean, one thing I'm usually pretty good at is interpretations, and that's just my interpretation of the thing. But, but I, I have to – you know more than I do on that. Well, I look, and, I, and we're going to – we have to make our predictions, but I do want to spend three minutes talking about the Pelicans before I let you go. Yeah. So let, let's talk about them last night. Obviously, Dunk, you stayed up to watch the game last night. What a great chance, Trey Murphy, with the big shot from the right wing – for them to, to even send it in overtime. They just don't match up well with the Jazz, but to me that's no big deal in the grand scheme of things. This team is certainly on the right track. Yeah, yeah. Look, back-to-back losses. Uh, they hadn't done that all year, I think, and they um, they also now have to go to Phoenix. Yes. Game. I thought They'll they really be really missed, pissed off. I thought they really missed Jose Alvarado last yes. night. Like his defensive perimeter play uh, would have certainly been more effective against, say, Jordan Clarkson or – uh, you know, maybe handling some of those pick and rolls late with Mike Conley. So they missed Alvarado. And they obviously also missed Brandon Ingram. I don't want to keep harping on who they're missing, but they need another scoring option, uh, you know, in that game especially. 
they really did. I thought Utah did a good job and on Zion. Zion got his points, but he had to work for it, man. They, I mean, their, their size inside created some problems for him. And they just executed better than the Pels down the stretch of regulation and in overtime. And uh, that was a tough loss because they kind of had a nice margin there. I think they were up by 13 at one point. Yes, they were up by 13 with nine and a half to go in the third quarter. Yeah, kind of let it let it slip away, and that's the NBA. But this is a tough stretch because they go to Phoenix. You're, like you said, you know Phoenix is going to be laying in wait. And oh, they get, yeah. They've got Booker back, so they're a different team. And then you got Milwaukee in, in the Smoothie King Center on Monday night. Very tough stretch. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do against Milwaukee on Monday. That is going to be a lot of fun for sure. Um, and I think this stretch will tell us a lot. I think we've already learned a lot about this team, but one thing we learned last year is that Willie Green is going to have this team ready when they come down the stretch. This team is only going to get better as the season goes along. We've already seen it. I mean, I think the improvement of this team over the course of the last three to four weeks, again, showing how great a coach. You want to talk about extremes, and I'm not going to bash DA, but – I think Willie Green is the Sean Payton, could be a Sean. And they have different personalities uh, and different ways to handle things. But I think Willie Green could be the Sean Payton for this franchise, uh, for this Pelicans franchise going forward, Dunk. I really do. Yeah, uh, he's been a, a total find as a head coach. And yeah, no question. Perfect guy with this team, too, his demeanor, yeah. knowing the personalities on this team. I think getting C.J. McCollum was also a huge yes. get because Big deal. now you have a player coach kind of yeah that, that all these young cats uh you know respect and then you got willie green who's definitely a player's coach knows how the modern nba player like how to motivate them uh it's been a perfect marriage and i agree with you look I, even though they've lost these last couple of games even if they lose to the suns uh i'm bullish on where the pels are headed i, I think they got another move in them probably somewhere around the trade deadline to kind of bolster the roster uh they've got some tradable assets but the future's bright, and you just need to start pulling against the Lakers every night so you can get that high draft pick as well. <laughs> no question about that. And, I mean, I really think the Pels really are, already are the deepest team in the league. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, it is prediction time. I know that you have got to get going. We have one more comment that I want to show. If you want to make a prediction, now's your final chance. Don says the largest criticism he has of Andy Dalton is that sometimes he throws the ball too hard. The quarterback play is not the problem with the Saints. The offensive line play leaves a lot to be desired. Defense playing superb football. I don't know if I'd call it superb football. Turnovers have haunted this team all year long. If you look at the, the turnover ratio, the turnover margin, Dunk, one thing that Sean Payton's teams were always really good at was time of possession and turnover margin. Yep. Those, were, those are the winning formulas for any team, but really Sean Payton left that mark, and they were always good in those two things. Yeah, and that's been on the they've been on the flip side of that this season, and the lack of takeaways by the defense. As good as the defense has played, yeah. they don't have a ton of big plays, and those that's right. those have been missing, and that's something they've got to figure out. I don't know why it's been that way, but they're just not getting those big takeaways, and they've been penalized a lot defensively. I mean, we get that gets overlooked, but the way they play, they're very aggressive, very handsy in the secondary. It's one of the reasons why they're good, but it's also can come back to haunt them when they get to these crews that call it tight and they end up with a lot of uh, penalties that convert first downs for, for the opponent. All right. I know you got to get out of here and I want to get you going. So let's make our final predictions. We'll make it short and sweet today. And the saints are a four point favorite over the Atlanta Falcons. What say you Jeff Duncan? 
Yeah, look, I like the Saints in this one. Uh, I think we'll know early on by their body language, by their energy and effort. If they bring their A game, which I think they will, I think they can win this. I think it's going to be a, a fairly high-scoring game. I, I think this game could be up in the upper 20s uh, because I think both offenses can move it. Uh, so I'll give me the Saints to cover that four points. I'd say it's going to be something like maybe 28 to, to 20, 24 or something like that, right on the line. I'm, I'm hedging on the line. Hedging on the line. I think it could be a, a, a good, fun game to watch. The Saints should let it all hang out. They've got nothing to lose in this game, and it should be an entertaining, entertaining one for the fans. I agree almost 100. I'll say I agree 90%. How's that? Um, I think if you want to bet this game, first of all, you're a psycho if you want to bet this game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but but if, you, if you do want to bet it, I would bet it live. I would wait and see how the Saints come out because the Saints look good in the opening part of the game. They're not going to blow this game. I don't think so. So if you like if you like the Saints here, I would wait and see how they come out and then bet it live because I think they're either going to win uh, big or they're going to be in a, in a dog fight and lose. Uh, but I'm going to pick the Saints to win. I think they're going to win by about 10. I'm going to say I'm going to say 26 to 16. I think it's going to stay under the 40. I'm I'm not with Dunk. I don't think it's going to be although Dunk's been better with these totals than I have. So uh, if you want to be a psycho and bet the over under, then I would go with Duncan uh, and and bet the over. But I th- I'm going to say 26 to 16. I think the Saints come back in a big way, and I agree with you, Dunk. I don't think they're going to lay down like dogs, and it would be just like them to win their last four games and say, and we can say, where was that all year long? I don't know. That's for another show. But uh, we're going to let you go because I know you got to run. We th- we thank you for coming in, and we're going to talk to you Wednesday next week. No, thanks. Thanks. We'll talk next week. I expect we'll be talking about a big Saints victory. All right. So there you have it. Duncan and I both think the Saints win. I think Dunk was kind of waffling on the spread. I think the Saints will cover. I think they will come out and play well. And again, like I said, I think if you're going to bet the Saints, you sicko. I think you need to see how the, the live spread is going to go. I think you're better off waiting and uh, seeing how they start and then betting them on the live spread. Okay. We're going to make this brief. Um, we haven't had a best bets in a, in a couple of weeks because uh, both Uncle Big Nick and I were both uh, doing something last week. We did not have a show late last week. And next week, uh, programming note, in case you didn't catch it already, we're going to have two shows next week. We're going to be on Monday and Wednesday. So really, Wednesday is going to be the Friday show because I'm going to take six days off. I need a break, boys and girls. I need some time off. So... Uh, We'll figure out our schedule for New Year's week later. Um, but I know that next week we're going to go on Wednesday and we will preview Saints and Browns who are playing on Christmas Eve. So the Saints will be playing on Saturday next week. Um, and we're going to be off from the 22nd through the 27th. I think I'm off. So we'll give you a programming schedule for the week after uh, coming up. But let's get in our best bets. Uh, and I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm not gonna actually going to read all of of Uncle Big Nick's first, and then I'm going to get to mine. Um, and I'm going to read them in the order they have. So I'm going to call. He didn't say how much all these bets were, so I'm going to, we're going to call them all $22 bets um, for Uncle Big Nick. And he has all college picks. I have all pro picks. Actually, I take it back. He's got one NFL pick. We'll save that for last. Um, but he's got four college bowl picks and... Um, in one one NFL pick. 
We're going to start off with a game, and if you're listening to this on demand late, uh, you might not catch this one because this game is at 2 o'clock this afternoon. But it is Troy, and it's actually Troy plus one now. He's got, he had him at minus one and a half, so he really likes him. Uh, so Troy plus one. First year head coach, he says first bowl game since 2018 for the Trojans. Troy has, let's see, uh, he says they had the best scoring D in the country. Uh, they had the eighth best scoring D in the country. So he, he likes Troy in the Cure Bowl this afternoon. I like him. I, I'm with him. I'm actually going to bet on that, I think. Even though the spread has come against Troy in that one, I think that um, I think that they're in good shape there. I'm going to bet on that probably. Uh, let's see here. So, by the way, Troy is playing in the Cure Bowl today against uh, Texas San Antonio. That game is starting at two o'clock. So, if you're listening to the show after two o'clock, you can go bet it live if you want. But you're probably going to miss it, and I should have told him not to pick that game, but uh, it is what it is. He's gone. He's in Vegas. All right, next game for. Uncle Big Nick is the New Mexico Bowl, which is going to be played tomorrow evening at 6.30. BYU taking on SMU. The Cougars, he's got the game, the under 64. He says the under is 5-1 and one in the last six bowl games for SMU. And SMU's best wide receiver is sitting out or may play, may not play the whole game. I actually like SMU in this game. He's got uh, the under, and I'm not going to go against him. So uh, there you go. He's got BYU under 64, and that is in the New Mexico Bowl tomorrow night. Another game he's got tomorrow, the Lending Tree Bowl, Southern Miss, in a game I just don't get. This is a perfect example why there are too many bowls, not just because Southern Miss is in a game at 6-6. Six and six. The fact they're playing 5-7 and seven Rice, 5-7 and seven team does not belong in a bowl game. And hence, Uncle Big Nick has Southern Miss minus six. I am with him on this. He says Rice is there because they're not smart enough. <laughs> smart enough. Not because they earned it. Because Oh, he, Rice is there because they're smart, not because they earned it. And I agree. They, the only reason why Rice is in this game is they didn't have enough six-win teams that were eligible. Rice is scoring 11 points per game in their last four games. That is not a reason to take the owl. So I'm with him. I like Southern Miss minus six as well. All right, next game. He's got the Las Vegas Bowl. Oregon State is playing Florida. He says, and this game is this, uh, Saturday as well, 115. He said, Rice is, uh, excuse me, too many points uh, to give up. A lot of points. Pac-12 has lost seven straight bowl games. So he says he's going to sprinkle in the money line as well. And the Florida player players basically on tryouts for Billy Napier. I agree. I like Florida as well. So we're on the same side there as well. I probably will play that as well. I I agree with him wholeheartedly. Um, I think that uh, even though Florida will be playing their third string quarterback, Anthony Richardson is is opting out, um, and their backup quarter is in the portal. I still think Florida is going to play well. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think ten points is a lot. Pac-12 against SEC, I don't care who it is. I'm not giving the SEC 10 points again. I don't care, unless it's Vanderbilt, and they ain't making a bowl game. So I'm with him on this, Florida plus 10. All right, his last pick is Minnesota, the Vikings, minus four against the Indianapolis Colts. Um, 
I like this as well. This is part of uh, one of my plays that we'll get to in just a minute. He says, I think that the uh, that Vikings are in a great bounce-back spot here. Indy doesn't have the firepower to take advantage of the weakness <clears throat> of Minnesota's defense. I agree with him wholeheartedly. So that is Uncle Big Nick's uh, fifth pick, and it is the Minnesota Vikings. All right, let's let's talk, talk about my picks real quick. Uh, it is the same as in my NFL columns, not changing anything. Dallas minus four over the Jacksonville Jaguars. That game is Sunday at noon. It is just an $11 bet. Um, look, I think Dallas had uh, their awakening moment last week. I think Houston, they were like, what the hell is going on? We almost lost to Houston. I think they're going to be uber-focused. And I think the, ja- the Jags are pumping their chest. I think they have this unrealistic dream that they're going to win the AFC South. And Jacksonville coach... Doug Peterson is one cocky SOB. But his struggles against the Cowboys, he's had them. When he was the coach of the Eagles from 2016 to 2020, it was 5-6 against them. He lost five of his last seven, including two by 20 or more. So $11 bet, Dallas minus four over the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, this line has changed since I wrote my NFL picks column. So I actually have to give points now, but I'm still going to do it. A $22 bet. The New York Jets, minus one and a half now over Detroit. So that means big money came in on the Jets. The Sharps are thinking the same thing I thought. Um, And there are a lot of Aunt Mabels out there who love the Detroit Lions. But I don't see it here. Detroit has not been that good on the road, and the Jets have been very good at home. Line doesn't, it still doesn't make any sense. Even at one and a half, I think it should be two, two and a half. Um, The Lions' only road wins this year are against the Bears and the Giants. The Jets have won three of their last four home games against the Bears. That's fine. But they've also beaten the Bills and the Dolphins at home. And I love the way that Robert Sala responded after losing to Buffalo, saying we're going to see you again, even though I don't think he's necessarily true. But, uh, you know, that's, that's it. So I like the Jets minus one and a half over Detroit. All right, my next pick is Baltimore at Cleveland, the under. I don't know who's going to win this game. Uh, and the under is 38 and a half. It is going to be super cold. There is going to be a stiff wind, <clears throat> and there could be precipitation, which means these two teams are going to run the football and run the clock out and say, let's get the hell out of here. And so I think you could be looking at a 14 to 10 type score. Uh, Deshaun Watson has, hasn't been great since he's been there. Uh, the Ravens' run D is pretty good. I think that both of these teams are just going to want to get out of there. So I think that's what we're going to see tomorrow at 3.30. Baltimore-Cleveland under 38.5 for 22. Uh, another, this is actually, a tw- I got to bet, 24.40. I think it's minus 122. Moneyline parlay. I'm with Uncle Big Nick on Minnesota. I think that I'm just betting them to win straight up here in a parlay. And I'm also taking Philadelphia over Chicago. So that parlay together is kind of like a teaser. They just need to win, both of them, Minnesota and Philadelphia. Um, I told you I agree with with Uncle Big Nick about Minnesota. Philadelphia, look, I don't know that they're going to cover the nine-point spread, but and I know that this is a bad spot because I think they played Dallas coming up. So this is not the greatest spot for Philly, which is why I don't like to take them against the spread. We don't know if Justin Fields is going to be playing as, as of the time we speak here. Um, but I think Philly's going to win the game. It may be ugly. But they're going to find a way to win the game. So, money line parlay twenty four forty to win twenty dollars 
Minnesota over Indianapolis, and Philadelphia over Chicago. And then my final pick is my teaser. Had to do it. And I don't have to do a a 6.5-point teaser anymore because the spreads have changed. So it's a regular teaser, $36 to win 30. Buffalo, minus 1 over Miami. And Pittsburgh, plus 9 over Carolina. Look, tomorrow night is going to be cold in Buffalo. We're talking like 20 degrees cold and possible snow blowing all over the place. Miami has not played that well. Their defense is terrible. Josh Allen doesn't care what the weather is. I think Buffalo is going to win that one easy. I actually like Buffalo to cover. But the teaser part of it comes in with Pittsburgh. Um, I'm not sure what to expect in this game, but I don't see Pittsburgh getting blown out. And you go through those numbers of three and seven, the key numbers that we talk about in the teaser, six-point teaser. If you don't know how to play it, it's simple. You go do it like a parlay, and then when you get to the end, there's a button that says teaser. You click on it, and you got to lay uh, 120 to win 100. So here we're laying 36 to win 30. But you, both teams have to win, but you're getting a six-point gift. So Buffalo just needs to win. And Pittsburgh needs to not lose by more than nine against Carolina. That is my play of the week. And that is, that is our show for the week. Um, look, we've taken a little hiatus here and there. I know I had a friend of mine ask me, when's the attitude coming back on? I need a break. Uh, it's that time of the year. And um, we're going to do a little, we're going to have some weird schedule the next couple weeks before we get in the playoffs. And um, we'll still two sh- do two shows through the NFL playoffs. And then we'll go back to probably one show a week. Uh, we'll talk about that as we go along. But uh, it's that time of year. You enjoy the holidays with your family, and that's what I'm going to try to do next week. And I uh, hope you can do the same. Enjoy those kids being out of school. I know that's easier said than done, but, hey, I'm doing it too. In fact, my, my kid's about to come home, so i got to wrap the show. And How should we wrap? It's vacation for the boys and girls. They're getting off of school. So what's, what's one of your favorite Christmas vacation movies. There's only really one that I can think of. What's all I think of Chevy Chase? It just channel your inner Griswold when you hear this song. Go put the lights out if you haven't done it. Just put at least put some lights out somewhere. Put the tree up. Do something. Don't be a Scrooge like me. I'll put the lights out, but I'm still a Scrooge. Hopefully we'll all be in a good mood on Monday. We'll give you Derry's Dime, and Zach Ewing is going to come on the show and give us his uplifting story of how that lucky son of a gun won $100,000. Zach Ewing, my boss. We'll probably talk about the Saints as well. Looking forward to that. We'll see you on Monday, and then we'll see you on Wednesday for uh, more Live Datitude. Have a great weekend. Stay warm, and have a wonderful holiday season throughout the next stretch of a week or two. Don't watch too many bowl games. We'll see you Monday. Peace and love, my friends. Sure is looking good. Got ourselves the finest snowman in the neighborhood. Ain't it fun? Always on the run. That's how it's done on Christmas vacation.